the women that are in the industry, we just need to get out there more and talk to people and show them, for one, it's okay to have a job where you can show up in jeans every day and work boots. But I think a lot of it is we really need to explain what the situation can be. It doesn't have to be up to your eyeballs in dirt every day. It doesn't have to be 5 a.m. to 7 p.m. You can find the company that does the work that interests you in an environment that is workable for you. Hey, Construction Nation. Welcome to Lead with Trust. I'm Sue Dyer, and I've been on a three-decade journey to figure out how to make sure our construction projects succeed and produce some extraordinary results. My trusted leader journey has led me to work on over 4,000 construction projects worth over $180 billion. In this podcast, I'm here to teach you everything I've learned. One thing I know is that it starts with the leaders of the businesses and organizations that come together to build a project. If that's you, let's get going. Hey, Construction Nation, this is Sue Dyer, and this is the 10th episode of Bringing Women into Construction series. And I'm really excited about this series. It's been fun to do and very interesting to meet all of these fantastic women that are working in construction. And they really do have some great insights for all of us on how we can grow our workforce at this time when we have so many jobs that are going unfilled. And today we're going to listen to uh, Sue Weiler-Doak, who works for a company, D. Brown Consulting, and they only consult in construction. She has over 30 years with Kiwit. And so she brings a huge amount of industry knowledge and lots of years of working in many different capacities and seeing what's happened with the industry. So I think that she offers us a lot of great insights that can be very helpful to all of us, whether we're just starting or whether we're along in our career or whether or not we have uh, children, whether it's uh, our own children, nieces, nephews, uh, brothers, sisters, who we think might be a fit for the construction industry. So uh, let's listen in as I talk with Sue about facilitating a panel of women in construction for the Construction Financial Management Association recently. And so we learn all about the lessons she learned from that panel. Let's listen. Hey, so we're here today with another one of our episodes in a series of Bringing Women into Construction. And I'm really excited to introduce all of you to Sue Wheeler-Doak who has been in the industry for a long time and recently ran a panel for the Construction Finance Management Association on bringing women into construction. And I think that it's going to really tap into not only her wisdom today, but the wisdom of the panel that she was able to run at a recent conference. So welcome to Lead with Trust. 
Well, thank you so much. And uh, maybe we can call this episode the Sue Squared episode. <laughs> exactly. That sounds perfect. I spare my work sometimes. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> so tell us all about how you got involved into construction yourself. Well, it's uh, it's both a long story and a short story, right? I, I guess like most people, right? Um, I was actually born and raised in Nebraska on a farm and uh, went off to college, uh, got an accounting degree and said, you know, I'm not sure what I want to do with this. I really don't want to do taxes every day. Um, had not even graduated yet. And uh, at the time, I mean, I went to work uh, immediately out of college for uh, the Kiewit organization, Peter Kiewit Sons. Knew very little about them. They're a very low profile, although very large company. And uh, looking at all of the opportunities that were available for their um, field accountants, it all started from a Monday and by Friday I had a job offer. So it, it went very quickly. I remember one thing they asked, they said, hey, we don't know, or what would you do if a concrete truck showed up at the office and you didn't know where it went? And I said, well, I don't know much about concrete, but I do know if a cattle truck shows up at your farm in the middle of the night, you uh, close all the gates, you unload the cattle, you count them as they come off, you sign the paperwork, you send the trucker away and you go back to bed. And apparently that that transferable skill <laughs> made a lot of sense in construction. Got offered the job and immediately went from Nebraska to Central Oregon and started working there. I should have seen it coming then that the moving was going to start to happen. So that's kind of how I got started. Well, then, so what happened from there? Well, it's yeah, so the journey, I mean, so many women and other people that might be interested in the industry don't really maybe understand the pathway. Yeah, so so there's a lot of pathways for one into the industry. Uh, one is to really look at the fact that construction is like any other business, right? Law firms need all sorts of people, not just lawyers. Uh, construction companies need all sorts of people, not just project managers. Um, everybody needs a you know a huge menagerie of people, and so one is looking at the industry for really all of the opportunity that's out there. Um, in in our panel, we talked a bit about the uh, the the lack of people. One, just because of demographics, there's not enough people, and two, we, you know, we have a little bit of an image problem. We're we're a little dusty and dirty, and. Um, some people just don't look at it as as a, a really great place to start, but it is amazing the opportunities that are there. And I think if we just looked for one at the availability of work, the places that things are built, and all of the opportunity inside, it would be huge if people, you know, just kind of looked at it from a broad brush to start. So that's what I'd say is if you're looking at um, any industry. Uh, open up, you know, open up any website on construction, and you'll see all of the opportunity that's out there. How did you become a consultant? Now, how did that happen? Well, it's it's funny because I, I I spent 31 years uh, literally working for the keyboard organization. So uh, being inside a you know billion dollar organization by the time I retired, and got a call one day from a friend of a friend who has a, a small consulting company that we are all from the construction industry and we only consult to other construction companies because we get it, right? We understand what some of the operational problems are. We understand what succession planning looks like. 
we understand what happens when you've got, you know, the original founders, they might want to retire someday and how we can help them, you know, figure out how they can get out of the organization and move other people up into it. Uh, and frankly, we've got a pretty good handle on a lot of other industry friends as to where we can help to get some of those people to come into the into either that organization or certainly into the industry. So I uh, just felt like a really natural fit because it had been kind of been there, done that for decades. It just made a lot of sense to really bring that back to the industry and help. Yeah, that's really nice to have that resource available to people. You know, I just, I'm a big believer in learning from other people's experiences. Well, that's right. And and I tell you, when you've got, uh, in, in our group, you know, there's there's uh, about eight of us that are the actual kind of boots on the ground consultants. We talk to each other all the time. So it's like, hey, I think you did this or went through this in your company, or you've helped another client with this. And it really does help to move things along a lot faster and have that resource. And it's just great to see that we help somebody be better that day. So it's it's very cool. Well, let's jump in and talk a little bit about this panel that you had at the CFA conference. Okay, and I know the topic was women in construction. So tell us a little bit about the panelists, the topics, kind of how it you kind of rolled. And then we'll dive in after that and talk about what you learned. Okay, perfect. Well, it was interesting. You know, I got the call. Everything starts with a phone call, right? Uh, so I got the call. They were asking if I'd be the moderator and they had a, a list of people uh, that they wanted on the panel. And it was very interesting. Uh, the panelists that we had, um, one was uh, uh, Kimberly Cook. She is now the sitting president um, for LB Construction in Sacramento. Uh, and newly, I guess, new in the seat as of January. So she was, you know, about 10 weeks in when she sat on the panel. So we thought that what a great life lesson we're going to get from the things that she can bring to the table. Uh, another was uh, Kendall Porter uh, from Lund Construction. And she's a project engineer, uh, mostly working out in the field. And she's been, I think, with Lund uh, three, four years. And so she was bringing that new, fresh perspective. What can we tell, you know, that generation as to why, you know, we should be coming into the coming into the industry and how we can help specifically her and others with with the shorter amount of experience to you know excel beyond that and then we also had um uh we had uh Kelly Cohen who's a director with Excel Construction again in the in the Sacramento area and they they're a commercial GC that works all over northern California and she's been with that organization for quite some time and again, she's got a huge business unit that she's been over for a while. So she's got some depth in that position. So we really saw that it was going to be a really good panel because of the experience, the long-term experience, short-term experience, the time in the seat, new time in the seat. We're going to be able to get a lot of good information. And it was uh, the funniest part is when we started with started with the questions there was a set of sample questions sent and it's like, okay, well, let's start with, you know, again, how did you get into construction and uh, you know, what's your advice and things like that. And we kind of decided we were going to go a whole different way and talk about, okay, how has the culture changed? Certainly like for Kimberly, how did the culture change 
when she knew she was the successor, maybe a few years ago, what happened? How did she help to move that? How did the founders that were going to step away help to move that culture to really see her as the president and not just as, you know, the first woman president? But, how you know, what happened there? Um, we talked about pay equity. And Kelly took us down the road of exactly what they did, the how they compared payroll and how they looked at who was being paid what and how they literally dove in line by line by line to make sure they had equity across the board and how they made those changes. So we we had some great topics that we were talking about. And I think uh, there there were a lot of pencils flying in the audience, so a lot of a lot of notes are being taken. Let's dive into those two topics. So, what did you learn from being a new or newly minted female president of a construction company? And what kind of cultural changes happened or needed to happen? And how did that make? How did you really make those things happen? Right. And and I tell you, Kimberly had a great uh, many pieces of a great story. And a lot of it happened with uh, the senior leadership team, the executive team, um, including the two founders, really sitting down with their executive team about five years ago and saying, we are going to be needing to look for a transition. And this is how we're going to start you know, laying this transition out. And these are the people that we want running this organization. And we are looking at a very collaborative effort to be able to do that. And as they moved into this five years of of really planning and talking and collaborating, the owners were not uh, at all shy about saying, hey, we're moving towards this. We don't have an exact date, but we're moving towards this. And they started to um, move some of the responsibility over, right? We need a new policy for something. Well, they would take it to that next level of leadership and say, let's see how you guys do on this. So they really were, they had a great almost offboarding plan for the two owners so that they could continually move these things over. What Kimberly saw was that really the organization was very accepting of her and the new vice president coming in and the rest of the senior leadership team because they'd been told over and over and over again that this is this is how it's going to go. So in her case, communication was absolutely key because she knew, not only did she know that the owners had her back and the new vice president was going to have her back, everybody knew that because they they were very clear about it. They spoke about it consistently, you know, frequently, and the communication was just fabulous. And it just really kind of evolved over the course of that five-year time span of planning. So she, she found that very, very beneficial. Yeah, my experience in succession is that if you don't start at least five years out, it's very challenging. Yeah, I've got uh, uh, one gentleman I'm talking to, and he's like, you know, I'd like to be out in three I said, I wish I'd have known that three ago. <laughs> so give me 10 or 11 years and you're probably in good shape. Yeah. Well, well that's right. Especially if you're an owner, you know, there's there's the money side and then there's the whole transition of power side. And, and there's there's a lot to do. There's a lot of challenges that come yeah. up with that. What did you do for the guys to get pay equity? 
Well, what we learned was uh, when you watched the crowd, for one, and we talked pay equity, some people sat very straight up in their chair and others kind of scrunched down a little bit like, oh, geez, yeah, we should probably be doing a better job of of analyzing, right? Not that they thought they were doing anything wrong. They just had not really dove in uh, head first to take a look at it. And what we found out, you know, uh, Kelly gave us a great almost step by step of what they did, where they went through and pulled all the payroll from the whole company. They sat down and looked at it by uh, position. And then they looked at it by years of experience in those positions or even in the company. They analyzed it probably in about four or five different ways. And then they made sure that they looked, of course, you know, the male and female and with the whole position and years of experience in the organization, years of experience in the in the position. And they found that in a couple of cases, you know, the the women were making, um, if not as much more. And then they also found that they had a number of cases where uh, until they had put them side by side, they didn't realize that they did have a little bit of a problem. And so they sat down as an executive team, said, this is what we need to fix this. And they put a plan together to how they were going to fix it um, in their next pay structure, you know, their next comp um, package change. Um, if somebody was really out of whack, how they were going to fix it now so that everybody could be in line for that next um, review and, and comp review. And they took very deliberate written out action. And if they also found that if people were behind, male or female, uh, they put together some improvement plans and said, hey, maybe we're just not giving any of these people enough that maybe are falling a little bit behind. So they found some ways that they could spread it around to the whole organization and make it better by looking at why people were behind, not just necessarily the pay equity um, problem between you know the the genders. So they found a lot of great stuff out of it. Hope you're enjoying this show. Every time you and your team step foot onto a construction project, you bring your business culture with you. For any construction project to succeed, there must be a high trust culture. It doesn't matter if you're in planning, design, construction, or startup phases. The more trust you bring and build, the better your results. I've created a free resource for you, the Trusted Leader Profile. So you can know exactly the level of trust you bring to your business and projects and what you can do to boost trust. You can grab that at sudico.com slash profile. That's S-U-D-Y-C-O dot com slash profile, P-R-O-F-I-L-E. And I hope that you'll remember that always high trust equals high performance, and it really depends on you. Now back to the show. That's great. That all sounds like a good analytical process that probably not too many people spend the time doing the things because they're so busy in the industry. Fire burning somewhere. What do you see as the biggest barriers for attracting girls and women into entering into the industry? You know, we talked a little bit about that at the panel as well. And some of it is one, the women that are in the industry. 
we just need to get out there more and talk about it and talk to people and show them for one, uh, it's okay. It's okay to have a job where you can show up in jeans every day and work boots. Uh, when I used to do a job fair with a, some college hiring I was doing, I would show up for those job fairs with my t-shirt, my jeans, my boots, carry my hard hat under my arm. And, uh, you know, we got a lot of interest because it was just, it was something that was slightly different. But I think a lot of it is we really need to explain what the situation can be. It doesn't have to be, you know, up to your eyeballs in dirt every day. It doesn't have to be 5 a.m. to 7 p.m. You can find the company that that does the work that interests you in an environment that is workable for you, right? For anybody. I know when I worked for the Kiwit organization, it was a great organization. It was not right for everybody. It was, you know, Mach 5 hair on fire all the time. And, you know, you find the culture that you like and that's the company you go to work for. So my advice would be we need to get out there, but we need to talk more about the culture inside the organization so that they can see, everybody can see these are great places to work. Regardless of what we do, it's a great place to work and wanting to come for that. So talking more about the cultures would be very, very helpful. I think that's really smart to the contractors who want to be, again, just even have in their paradigm in their mind that they want to be a great place to work. And that would make them uh, a lot different and make the decisions they make different all along the way. Right. Well, they need to know the value that they can give to the employee and be able to actually articulate that back out. And that's, you know, not a lot of construction companies have done that before. And it's a game changer. After COVID, I mean, all the new generation that's coming in. The game has changed in so many ways that the old boys of employing people and treating people like they're a commodity. And I think that's long gone now. And they're going to be really have to treat people in a new way for the duration. Well, that that's right. And there's a there's a fit out there for every employee. It's just a matter of knowing what you want and how you want to bring your best self to work, finding the company that wants that best self yes. and, and just just looking around. They're available. They're everywhere in construction. It's just that's what I really love about construction. There's so many things you really can do and apply your gift into the industry in some manner. It's really exciting to work in construction. What's not exciting about working in construction? I love it. It is. It is. And I, I always love to say, you know what? It's a great day when your boots can get dirty instead of just dusty, right? You can put them on and go outside. <laughs> That's true. Or you get to drive drive in a seat with a pen. Yep. So yep. Something big that you get to drive. <laughs> That's right. Besides filling a half a billion construction jobs that are currently unfilled, what benefits do you think women bring into the industry? Well, it's like anything else, right? I, I always ask an estimator, right? You go in and then they're talking about this job and they're trying to find the best way to put this estimate together. And, you know, they, they've got a group of maybe five or six people in a room and they're brainstorming, trying to find a better way to kind of build this mousetrap. And they come out and they've got a really solid, really tight, really good estimate because they put all those ideas together. 
And I look at it and I said, why would you want to exclude half the population from that kind of collaboration when you would never ask all of the same people to come in and look at an estimate every single time because they don't bring the diversity of thought to the schedule, to the logistics, to any of that. And that's what women can bring. They can bring that diversity of thought, looking at it a different way, a better way to build that mousetrap, a better way to evolve that culture, a, you know, an out of the box way of thinking for any problem that any business can have. If you're going to be working with senior VPs of clients that are going to be women, And you're going to be working with, uh, if you're not the general, you're going to be working with general contractors who have senior PMs that are women. You might want to be thinking how how those people are looking at the solutions as well and have that much more of a diversified voice in how you're going to propose solutions to the problems that construction brings, right? It just makes sense to have all of those thoughts in the room and not just always go with your same thoughts, because who are the companies that grow, right? The ones that kind of get their head up and look around and see what's out there and look in all directions to try to find, you know, that that new market, that new geography, that new way of talking to the client. And that is certainly one thing women can bring is that new voice and a new way to uh, negotiate, a new way to schedule, a new way to do just about anything that uh, that construction can throw their way. I think there's quite a bit of research. And I think Harvard Business Review has several articles on what you have in women coming into the industry or within your business. And yeah, there's much, they're much more productive. That's actually what the research shows. I can't remember exactly the statistic, but I think it's around 20% increased productivity. So that's not insignificant. Well, one, I think, is to talk about what the real environment is uh, and to tell the story, right? We are, we are probably, this is, this is very used, but we are probably the best kept secret <laughs> for an industry that women can go into. It, is, it can be great money. It can be a lot of opportunity. It can be a lot of leadership opportunity, mentorship opportunity. I mean, what a way to make a difference in other people's lives. But we don't tell a very good story of our of our industry. We we've gone with whatever it was in the 50s and 60s, and it is not that you know, it's it's not your grandpa's construction company anymore. Uh, so one is telling the real story of what it is that we don't have the horror stories of 20, 30 years ago. Um, We don't have the 14, 16 hour days. Now, occasionally there's a concrete pour and you got to get that done, but we just don't have that. There are opportunities out there. There's a story to tell. And I think one, each industry needs to have a better story. And I think each company needs to say, again, why they bring value not just to the industry, but why they bring value to their employees. Are they in a great spot where employees want to work? Do they show growth over the next 10 years and look at where they can go? Do they have a a lot of community service? Maybe that's something that they bring value add to. I think a lot of it is getting our story straight. 
right? Telling people what the story really is and then getting out there and going to getting in the classroom in colleges. I don't know why every construction company doesn't have their special thing, right? And whether it's deep foundation or whether it's rock crushing or something that they don't have their story that they can take into the classroom. Uh, so people can hear it on a regular basis, not just through academia, but through real life that we need to be getting to uh, career fairs, right? The career fairs, whether they're at a college or whether they're, you know, on a, at a street fair on a Saturday, right? Get our, get our message out there. And I love it when people do the big, huge, you know, day, you know, bring, bring your kid to work day. I've seen it where they've got excavators and they've got loaders and they've got all sorts of stuff. And I tell you, the kids just light up with that stuff and not just the little kids, right? It's the 15, 16, 17 year olds that are going, I want, I want to be on one of those, or I want to be, you know, in a work group that works with that. I used to run a construction rodeo. It was very fun. Yeah. Yep. Yes, exactly. Yep. And that really does get the word out as well, because then you can, Again, not just do that, but talk about what the industry really does look like and and what, uh, you know, what itch does that scratch for people so they get a little more excited about taking a look at it. So I yeah. think talking about it at any moment we can is where we need to just think about it. You know, what is our story that we could tell and where can we tell it and not just talking to the same people, but that's a matter of talking to people outside everywhere. So it becomes more well-known because one of the things that you might hear in an interview is you might spark somebody else's idea of what they want to do and find that it's possible. Anything that you know about, you should be sharing and all the opportunities should be shared. So I think we aren't doing a very good job of marketing in the industry. That is for sure. That's exactly in the trades. You know, it seems so mysterious. Nobody knows about it. Nobody knows how to get into it. Uh, I was someone who knew someone who knew someone who knew someone. And that's how people get in. That's the story I hear all the time. Right, right. And and it is funny. I was, I was coming back from a, a client meeting the other day and uh, the radio ads all over the place. There's uh, the the laborers union is having a career fair day and they've got it all over the place. Come take a look, see what we do, where we work, the money you can make and, and, you know, trying to, again, get the story out there and, and change that image of what people might think it looks like. Yeah. I think that from some of the inter- interviews I've done, that the labor unions and the, and the trades are doing a lot of new things that they've never done before. That's right. Well, who knew we'd have drones as part of our construction equipment? And just wait until and we have a lot of AI running and augmenting the things we're doing in construction. I think we're going to see so many new things. I've seen drones used to inspect bridges and uh, count bolts on a building, measure the amount of uh, materials there are. There are just so many new things that are coming that over the next, you know, five, even two to five years, and then certainly by 10 years, there's just going to be so many things that don't exist today that it's hard to really define 
what it would be like to work in the industry, but it only affords more and more opportunities for people to come into the industry. And certainly there's fewer and fewer barriers for women because you don't need to be the muscle guy. But you know, back in World War II, my mother was a welder on submarines because she was small enough to fit into the spaces. So there's a place for everyone out there in the industry. And I think we're getting back to, it's a pretty cool place to be, whether you're a woman or a man or old or young. I think there's going to be a place for everyone. Yeah. Well, one one piece of advice is, uh, and, and we've chatted a little bit about this already, is talk to anybody that'll listen, right? And and you said it, right? Don't just talk to the same people we talk to. Uh, if you're at a, a Memorial Day, Labor Day, 4th of July picnic, bring up a conversation and start talking about it. Uh, because chances are those people, uh, if they're your neighbors or friends or neighbors' friends, they may not have any idea about it. We need to talk, at least in my infrastructure lingo, we need to talk about what happens on the other side of the cones. It's mysterious. So let's just normalize it. Let's make it a little less mysterious and just tell people what it is and get them at least thinking about it and possibly even asking a couple of questions. So that, that'd be the first place I go. Um, and the second one is, when you get asked a question, have a really good elevator speech handy, right? You may only get a minute to two minutes with a person before you lose their interest. So have the the bullet points in your head as to why you love this industry. People will hear that. They absolutely hear the enthusiasm. And if they know it gets you to jump out of bed every day and run to work, they're going to be thinking about that same thing, right? So we should never be caught off guard with someone who's interested in what we do. Everyone listening could do just that and put together three bullets points or something that they'd have in their head ready. So when they talk to people, they'd be ready to talk about construction and what it's like. And I think that that would be very, very helpful for everyone to just sort of have that, do the outreach. And when you have the opportunity, share your story and, and tell more. We've got to do a better job at this. That's right. That's that's right. You need, you need to place the hook. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Sue, for being here and being a guest and being a part of the series. And I hope everyone out there will take just even what some of the great stories and the ideas that you've shared and start implementing them so that we keep pushing forward. So by the end of this year, we have made even more strides to bring more women into the industry. I see it beginning to move and I see it beginning to happen. And it's very exciting. I agree. You know, go out and tell two friends and those friends can tell two friends and they can tell two friends. And pretty soon we've got a movement on our hands. Thanks so much, Sue. All right. Thank you. Okay, Construction Nation. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Lead with Trust. Will you do me a favor? If you think this episode can help anyone on your team or business, please forward it to them. Please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And your honest review, hopefully five stars, is much appreciated. Every leader who learns how to build their business and projects on a foundation of trust is going to reap the rewards of greater productivity, attracting the best of the best, 
enjoying your business more and doing things you thought were impossible. If you want to know where you are in your trusted leader journey, I have a free resource for you. Please just go to sudico.com slash profile, S-U-D-Y-C-O dot com slash profile. And you can grab it there and find out where you are on your trusted leader journey. And so that is a wrap for today. Can't wait until I get a chance to hang out with you again next week. And until then, have a great day.